What's up? How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You want to jump straight into it? Yeah, whatever you want to do. I just got my coffee for the day. <laughs> you can call me a size queen. It will not be a lie. You just hate small things. You're not a size queen. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't dislike small things. <laughs> like, I like small things when it comes to trouble. I would like my troubles to be. Oh, yeah. Small drama. Small drama. Small, small drama. Small small damages. Um, I see our picture behind you. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's you guys. Like, I need a backdrop, and I don't have, like, a green screen or anything. So, like, I told Gio, I said, I'm going to put them on the back. And Gio's like, don't tell him. See how long it takes him to notice it. <laughs> I have a channel that literally stars me. How would I not notice that? <laughs> and this way you don't have to edit out because you, you're, it's not copyrighted. You it's mine. You have, yeah, you have to buy permission to use it. <laughs> uh, uh, so just, just for the audience in general, this is Little Gay Guy, and I'm going to be interviewing Gary Thomas today, and I think you're going to be interviewing me a little too. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so why don't we just start from the really, really basics, which is, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, Gary Thomas. I'm originally from a small, small town in Ohio. And uh, I left two weeks after I graduated high school and I really didn't look back. It's like the town, I was always bigger than the town. I always felt that, that I was not one of those people that could stay within that little small framework for the rest of my life. I had to get out. Um, I knew I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to be in entertainment. That wasn't going to happen, um, except for community theater. And I don't do community theater. <laughs> so I left. I came. I actually came out to LA for like six months uh, when I was 18. Wow. And uh, I had never seen anything like it. From, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm from like farms and cow pastures and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember the first time, time I walked down Sunset Boulevard and I was just like this. And my friend was like, stop doing that. That's how people get mugged. That's how they know you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the people that stand on the corner looking at everything like this. It's like, look straight ahead. <laughs> Don't stare at tall buildings. <laughs> Don't look at the prostitutes on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and then you came back straight after didn't you i left and then went back to ohio for a little bit and i mean ended up in florida dancing for disney world and then that kind of just catapulted me out and went from one theater gig to another to whatever yeah do you have a, a either a headphones or a microphone you can connect to the screen because when you when your voice goes up there's an audio correction on your voice that lowers the volume down Ooh, I don't have one. Is that okay? It's, it's okay. It's okay. I'll try uh, not to. I'll I'm like, I don't want to lose your laugh. That's one of the, <laughs> that's one of the best. I know I'm going to make you laugh. I'll keep it contained. How's that? <laughs> I, I don't want you to be contained. I want you unleashed. <laughs> I'll do. I'll fake it like this. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to take the track from I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can put in a laugh track, can't you? When you edit. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That would, that would literally be the point in which Kevin will just say, no, I'm done. <laughs> Take this ring and goodbye. Um, tell a little bit about that catapult. I'm actually curious because there's a similarity and I will just double click on that on my double click. Why do I use those freaking marketing terms? 
anyway, okay. it's, it's, it's frustrating. You live in an industry of sorts and you start to speak like the industry, but I don't yeah. like it because I'm aware of it. Yeah. Um, but, but the sense of not even a big fish in a small pond, because I think people are believe people sometimes do prioritize simplicity over complexity. And I think city life has a lot of complexity in it. So I can't really judge from the standpoint, but, but to your point, I felt extremely big for, for Israel. So from oh, the yeah. get-go, from the get-go, it was just like, I cannot stay in this country from the moment but I are accepted you, it. But were, you, but were you in a small city or town or? No, uh, we actually, I grew up in Tel Aviv and then we were in a suburb of Tel Aviv that took less than 20 minutes by bus to get to Tel Aviv. Okay. So my coming out years, I would say like anywhere from 14 to, to 17, my eventual kick out, uh, uh, that, was, that was me pretty much in Tel Aviv every weekend. Um, so yeah, I can't say Tel Aviv was not the backdrop. It was Tel Aviv. I, I grew up where like on one side of us were farms, the other side was Amish people. Coming to your God. Uh, uh, what was okay so you knew much like we know about us being gay you knew that you're going to get out of there something probably around age four or five anytime I ever saw anything that had to do with performing singing dancing on television I instinctually knew that's what I was going to do and my older sisters were taking dance class and then I wanted to do that and then that branched off into drum lessons and singing lessons. And I actually did my first professional paid theater job when I was 13 years old. Like I made $75 a week. Um, I got to leave school early on Wednesdays because we had a matinee and I thought I was really, really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, well, you were. Uh, <laughs> think of it, the 13 year old is making $75 already is saying a lot. So you knew your yeah. vocational path or passion or both early on. No, I feel very blessed because a lot of people go through their entire life and they don't know what that is. So I feel good about the fact that I knew very early. And even in high school, when, you know, once I got into my senior year and I just didn't give a shit anymore and my grades were starting to slip and teachers were like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to be a professional entertainer. And they're like, no, you're not. You got to have a backup. I'm like, no, I don't. This is what I'm going to do. So, um, <laughs> And I, I, I didn't know if I would be successful. I knew that I had to try it. If I didn't leave and pursue it to see what happened, that would be what I would regret the rest of my life. I actually didn't know if I would be successful at it at all. I just knew that I had to put myself out there to see what happened. It's, but when you do uh, um, unravel or peel success for most people, it would be exactly that intonation you have towards what you're saying now which is i have this passion and no matter what i do that chasm or hole or desire have to be filled by that attempt so the people that are usually successful i at least in my career um both daytime and this i never felt that i need to do one thing or another i felt like i can't do anything else this is, yes. this is it this yes. is this there's no other version of this yes that's exactly how I was. Yeah. yeah. So once once I hit Florida and I found Disney World and then things kind of went from small theater productions at different places across the country and then it would be a big huge show and then it'd be a small production somewhere and then it would be an international cruise ship I was performing on and then it would be some five and dime production again. Like it's kind of interesting, but some of the smaller gigs are the ones where I met the person that took me 
to the next gig that was massive. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the small ones that I like didn't want to do are the ones that look, especially looking back, I'm like, okay, that linked me to this person, to this person, to this person. And that's how everything else fell into line. So if, 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 if there's a lesson there, and I think there is for most people when it comes to success and, and I think luck, people apply a lot of power or prowess to the word luck. And I honestly believe that luck is not just being in the right place at the right time. It's being there all the other times that that click is not there. And all those small production for you basically created the opportunity and the framework for somebody of a bigger scale to meet you. If you didn't went to all those moments, you would not right. meet that person. And I also think you have to be, it's all, you're, like you said, you're in the right place at the right time, but you also have to be prepared. If you're not prepared for the opportunity that's coming at you, you'll either decline it or you'll mess it up. You'll screw it up. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're not ready for it. Yeah. You, you, you'll try to, to, so to speak, box above your weight grade. <laughs> and get knocked out <laughs> and get knocked out within three seconds <laughs> and then get left on the floor right <laughs> Just, and there will be no rocky moment <laughs> no burning i could have been a contender yes. <laughs> none of there's, that there's no run up the steps there's no yeah there's I, I, but, but the thing when it comes to your career because it is a pretty uh, it's, it's varied in its essence for the little we talked about and i would love to hear more Um, and even though everything in life ebbs and flows, I don't think there's a linear progression to anything outside yeah. of our own skill set, outside of our own. And even that is, is more of a, you know, the, the, the history rhymes itself versus I actually do know better more about things as I go along. There's an evolution. Like right. the technology around me, there's evolution. You in an entertainment world with COVID, I can only imagine what kind of evolution you have to go through <laughs> right now. I, literally, I, I can't even imagine. I can just guess. Um, I still don't know what that is. So. <laughs> well, then let's dive into that a bit. What, what, now that you've been taking the industry as a whole and then you as a person took a pause from, from entertainment, how does the industry take it? Uh, most people I know have, have done their best to keep some type of structure going. Um, it gets challenging. You know, I make myself get up and work on choreography, but... I don't have an actual gig that I'm working towards. I don't have a deadline. So sometimes it, 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 nothing comes to me. You know what I mean? You put on the music, you're playing around, but in the back of your mind, you're like, this is, this is shit anyway, because <laughs> it's not for a gig and I don't have a deadline to meet. So you don't have that pressure. Um, I have two projects that I was getting ready to do uh, in a venue in downtown LA and I've reworked them on paper. Um, to do virtually. Um, I just have to now, I've been nervous about putting it out there, but I just think I need to put it out there. And if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? If people I don't connect think, with yeah. it, they don't connect with it. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm off the mind. And a lot of the things that actually brought this channel, the moment Fab got his green card, I was like, okay, I'm not waiting. But the reality behind I'm not waiting was, I don't believe in amazing content requires amazing Uh, uh, viewership, I actually do believe that content finds its audience over time. Yes. Much like you were being in the small production uh, studio or, or small production, what did you call it? Something in dime? Well, uh, five in dime. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, spe the specific story is I, I went from this 
you know, billion dollar cruise ship I was performing on for nine months and doing two shows a week and really being treated like royalty and we were paid well. And, you know, it was just a great experience. And I can't um, imagine. And then I left that and the next gig was an incredibly small show, backup dancing for some drag queens in Biloxi, Mississippi. And I'm not putting down drag queens or Biloxi, Mississippi, but I had gone. <laughs> it's a tough town for our kind. And if you add the adjectives drag queens on top of that, I'm sure it's even tougher. So to go from the cruise ship life for, like I said, about eight or nine months, and then the next gig on the plate was the Biloxi gig. But the Biloxi gig is what led me to this massive show in China where I lived, which led to Las Vegas where I performed. Like it was that small little gig that I really got depressed flying there. You know what I mean? On the plane, I was just like, I just want to throw myself out the window right now. Um, but it was that little three months down there where one, I made one of the best friends I've ever had. And we're still friends to this day. Awesome. And then it also, like I said, led to these other gigs that got bigger and bigger and bigger along the way until I ended up in Las Vegas. Yeah, it, it, it really does circle back to luck is, luck comes to those who work harder at it. That's, that's, that, that's my little take on that in general, because I'll give you, after I had this, this disastrous relationship, which one day I will, you and I kind of dove into it on our own before, but the long and short of it, I had the choice. Do I stay in the Bay Area for the sake of just staying in the Bay Area? And there were two factors that made me stay. One is my vocational passion is towards entrepreneurship. And there is this ecosystem around me that just refuses to take a fall or a fail as anything negative. It just refuses. It just looks at a fall and a fail goes like, okay, next. Like, like yeah. it's literally, it's, it's ingrained in the culture in the Bay Area. That's one. And then two, the gay side of it, which was, there is a tribe around me and there is no way at this point, at this stage, regardless of age or anything else, that I'm going to try to nurture something else somewhere else. Because right. there's, there are people around me that have been supportive through a pretty, pretty explosive breakup. Uh, and they were there. And I'm like, okay, between really, really amazing people to really, really amazing job, I don't have a choice. Right. But you <laughs> so, also really, you really like the city too, though, don't you? I hated it for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I could not find it in me to love almost anything about San Francisco. <laughs> I, by the way, I love the fact that you can't hear you laughing right now because for some reason the microphone is muting you. <laughs> but I despise San Francisco and I have to be very clear about why um, because it's an unfair statement. Um, up until global warming and climate change, we had a city that had almost seven months worth of 5 p.m. fog almost all the way through to market every night. Oh, wow. So you had this, and I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a sun worshiper by nature. So A, take me away from a body of water that's significant. Like, like you know, is it Lake Michigan for Chicago? Yeah. Okay, good. Like, I can do that because it's horizon to horizon. So that's fine. Uh, but anything below that, if I see land, I, I feel landlocked and yeah. I can't do that. So that was, that was going for San Francisco where it was just too freaking cold. So that's negative number one. The fact that it was just basically London, uh, Jack the Ripper vibe every night. <laughs> like, it's just, this is not appealing, appetizing, or merrymaking. Basically, F all of this. Uh, that's one. Two, 
it keeps pretending to call itself a city. And, and for a person who's traveled around the world, that's just an insult. <laughs> that's just, it's an insult. And, and, and I don't mind saying it because the reality is it, it's, 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 a, it's a town with the heartbeat of a city. That's, right. that's the definition that I boiled down to over the years. Yes, it has a heartbeat of a city, but throw a stone and you run into somebody I know. <laughs> like literally, like there's, by the way, that's part of the reason that I stayed. That, that complete sense of community. You go from your place of residence to your grocery store or to the gym and you run into two, three, four people you know just right. by virtue of being there. That's amazing. So no matter how you want to frame it, the sense of community and tribalism just built into or sewn into the, 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 the city experience, even though it's not a city. <laughs> See, my career by design has always kept me on the move. You know, a contract is either three months, six months, maybe a year, then that ends and you go somewhere else. So it just became part of my system, part of how, who I am. It's like, okay, you look, kind of live out of your suitcase or you live in a hotel um, that production pays for. And then when the gig ends, you say goodbye to everybody and you leave. But that also made it easy to have throwaway like relationships because it's like we can have we can have fun for 90 days and then my contract's over and I'm out. So <laughs> no, no, because that was literally the very first thought that came to my mind. That that kind of fits with the gay coming out or the second gay coming out, which is the sexual one. And you can basically have fun without much consequences in terms of a relationship. But that is outside of your control, isn't it? Like, because you do fall either in lust or infatuated by uh, people. And if you have that timeline to that relationship, yes, it intensifies it. I don't doubt that. Like you have three months to be, to be happy with that person. But what afterwards? No, it was weird. I mean, there was a lot of fall in lust. There was very little fall in love. I've had three serious relationships in my life. I would, in all of those, I've been in love. Uh, the other ones I've had, especially the ones that were a few months because of contracts or mm -hmm. work, um, those were probably just deep lust. You know what I mean? They were just deep infatuation. And the longer that there was distance, once it, I left it between fizzles. us, it fizzles and there's nothing inside of me that ever looks back on that and goes, oh, I wonder what that could have been because it wasn't supposed to be anything but that. You know For I mean? you now, in retrospect, of course, but it does yeah. beg the question if you were in the same town for a prolonged period of time, because my, my hypothesis is as follows. Falling in lust to a long period of time that would take anywhere from three months to, let's say, nine months, the, that period specifically, the three to nine month mark, you see the potential of long-term partnership there. There's, at least in my opinion of it, I mean, there, there are obviously polyamorous people, myself included, that have exercised this idea of loving more than one person. The picture behind me just <laughs> literally <laughs> speaks to that. But, 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 but my reality in terms of, I think we are building or constructing the framework or the skeletal relationship from the falling in lust part. Like, like the seeds of a long-term relationship, the seeds of the boring mundane recursion that is, I would say marriage or something akin to marriage comes right. from that moment because you wouldn't be with them otherwise. You wouldn't be just for the flame unless you are in a substantiated relationship and then you turn to whatever the, the chew toy du jour. <laughs> 
and you go like, oh yeah, I want to feel this falling in lust and falling in love and then falling out of love and falling out of lust. Right. And that is my kick. But right. that is by definition, a very, very uh, um, aware exercise. Yeah. And I also just slept around a lot, so. <laughs> For those who don't know, just out of our viewership, gay men do that. <laughs> men do that. <laughs> gay men do so much more than that. That's because it's two men together, that's why. <laughs> We do a lot of that, uh, uh, but, but, but my thought process around it, because it is so transient in nature and it's so transactional in nature, our sex, we can order it as easy as a pizza hut. That's as simple Absolutely. as a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't take, or, or as easy as a grab in a bar, uh, even right. though there is a me too element to it that I can definitely dive into a different time. Uh, and, and, and a lot of new awareness for me when it comes to that. Oh, there's this thing called consent. Gaming never had it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we as a community need to have a wake-up moment with the Me Too movement as well. <laughs> There's a whole lot of that we need to talk about. Consent was, do you, consent was, do you want me to lock the stall door or not? Do you care if anybody walked in? If you even talk. <laughs> you, if you even got to the point of talking. But I've, I've had that conversation with people, straight people, especially straight women who will be like, it just seems like you guys are so promiscuous. And I'm like, well, think of a bar with mostly men. The majority of us are at least having alcohol, which lowers your inhibitions. Um, there's probably some other letters of the alphabet sprinkled in there along the way. And, <laughs> but, 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 but and we are and like also said, very slutty. That's what I mean. And because we are more transactional and it's okay in the moment and we don't have to we don't really care sometimes it's just about the sex part um there is no mystery as to why men with men would be more promiscuous or more sexual or whatever there is a broader conversation there when it comes to misogyny because my two sisters have actually pressed pretty hard against this idea that there's no women's sexuality uh but i think that's that's like a whole other topic and it's a, a can of worms i do not want to open because the reality is i think if our society was more equitable there is a very good chance that there will be a lot more women that express their sexuality in ways that are familiar to us as men. I think they're just repressed because think about it, slut versus men whore or whatever we have in our terminology. One carries content, stud versus slut. That's the easiest right. thing in the straight world. But I've experienced in, in, in my career, I've experienced that the women that I've worked with, especially female dancers, they tend to be way more comfortable with their body and who they are. So they are a little more open to the one night stand kind of thing. I don't want to pigeonhole anybody or no, put a label and, on and, things. And, and I just feel like pleasure. And there's, the, I think that the, the broader, wherever is the audience, the broader concept is there is pleasure in a transactional interaction. And I will be even harsher. Um, I call casual sex drive through Mickey D's because that's <laughs> the, you know, it's satisfying for the moment. And well, that explains those... the golden arches over your bed, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're forgetting the halos, but it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the reality is I really think of them as, as, as a drive-through or fast food type of direction. And the reality is it's calorie full, but it's calorie empty. And, so, and it's definitely valid and it's definitely okay. But what I'm talking about to put full circle to the relationships you had with the falling in lust people, 
Uh, there is a range between a drive through, you know, a drive through Mickey D's to a three star Michelin star, uh, Michelin star restaurant. And that is the marriages of our lives. Those are the people that you never really can divorce them quite literally and figuratively from the concept of long-term thinking, right. from the concept of coupling or, or in the mic is throupling of our lives, we're combining our lives. So I don't think one begets the other or vice versa, right. but I think, yes, we are very slutty. And yes, uh, um, we are promiscuous. It is curious. Do you think women, if they had the permission, by so just just in general, do you think women or or any other population that is not marginalized in terms of sexuality would behave more like us or less like us? Or what's your opinion in general? I don't want to lead the witness. So what is your <laughs> tampering with evidence? No, <laughs> I do like want to tamper with evidence as much as I can. <laughs> I want to approach the bench. <laughs> uh, oh God! <laughs> the visions, the visions, man. I, I don't. I, I think if there's no stigma attached, I think most people would explore more of life in general, not just sexually, but get out and explore, follow more of their passions, do more of what they find fulfilling, opposed to following a set of rules that they have been told they need to follow or whatever. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I look at marriage as a template. I mean, it's it's amazing to me to this day that straight couples have to actually have a conversation about the assumption of the template. Like for example, monogamy versus not, or how yeah. do we propose? Or how would the wedding be like? Like all of those conversations are just assumptions for yes. most of the population. And to yeah. me, that is just mind blowing. I'm like, wait, yeah. you don't discuss this? <laughs> how do you navigate conflict like and then the answer is 56 percent divorces right that's how they navigate conflict right well that's what i i you know giovanni my husband we've been together now for more than 21 years um i think part of as much as i think it's great that we have the right to marry now there was a freedom when that wasn't on the table because it wasn't something in the wheelhouse that you're planning for where when you're straight it seems like that's that's the goal that's there's a there's a road there's a race there's whatever you want to call it but the end of it is the marriage thing and because that didn't exist or wasn't an option until five years ago i didn't sit around as a young teenager going i can't wait to get married I wanted to find the guy that I fall in love with and we build a great life together. I didn't picture a marriage in a chapel and a house with a picket fence. Now that I pictured a high rise condo in New York or somewhere. <laughs> you still do. I still do. And with a, with a doorman and all of that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? But I think when you take marriage out of the equation, it, it, at least in my experience, it's, you're not structuring your relationship around that. So it's not a goal you're working towards. You're working at creating the best relationship between the people that are involved in that relationship. If mm -hmm. that makes any sense. I don't of course know. it does. Uh, yeah. And I can, I, can, I can speak to that in several ways. A, I, I do believe that marriage is just a matter of equality. If they have it, we need to have it too. Uh, and, 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 for just the general broad conceptualization of what marriage is to me, 
uh, it's a cementing of, of, of finance. It's a cementing of future that I can visit Kevin, God forbid, in a hospital. I wish, I wish the whole throuple thing would have its own constructs. They don't, unfortunately. But, but within this reality, I would like us to have the option. And I think if you look at two things to talk, to, to follow up what you're saying, if you look at two things, which is one, a lot of straight people or a lot of, uh, I would call them more sexually open or more sexually forward uh, or more polyamorous or more bisexual, regardless of the label itself, there is a lot of people within the heterosexual world inside that are now in, in more open or, or more diverse relationships. Uh, out of my core group of friends back when I was a child and I was coming, I came out really early at 14, uh, but my core group of straight friends, I was the token gay guy, out of all of their relationship to this day, there are two that are very much, I would say, pansexual, um, completely within marriages. Um, totally. and, and, and I think it stemmed for, from us coming out together in a way, um, you know, from the very first question about poppers, from the very first question about lube back then as, as teenagers. Uh, <laughs> from the very first How do you start about... this thing? How do you start this thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they... <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus when it comes to my friends, but they experimented with their own prostate really early on because of my existence. <laughs> not because of me specifically. No, I've not had sex with any of my straight friends, but, but, but at the same time, because of the knowledge that that is a thing. Right. Uh, and, and, and for gay men, the prostate is a thing. Right. And, 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 and or, our orgasm when it comes to anal sex on the bottom inside, it's pretty amazing because of it. Right. So back to what I'm saying about marriage, I think just because the option is on the table, we are not limited. But to echo what you're saying and actually agree with the initial point is there is a sense of limitation of homogenization that comes from any marginalized group when yes. you start becoming more normal. So every time you've been out of normal society and status quo and you've been marginalized, your purpose, your, 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 your desire is to be a part of the group. A part of the yes. main, yeah, a part of the, you know, you're okay, you're one of us now. There is a cost to that one of us now that I would imagine in terms of our creativity and we lost a generation and that will be our next topic. But when you're so oppressed, one of your main outlets is creation and creativity. Uh, of course, we're going to lose this. Of course, we're going to lose this, this idea to push back against society when we are now a part of it. Right. Well, it's interesting you said that because I feel that that, that's act, that is happening in our community, that there's a outlandishness to us that's kind of disappearing because we're not fighting to be on the inside now. We are on the inside or at least closer to the inside than we've ever been. Significantly closer, yeah. Yeah, significantly closer. You and I so, can walk down the street holding hands and in, in our specific bubbles Yes. It will not generate animosity or antagonism right. or danger. Yes. Yeah, that's still yeah, that still comes down to your your zip code that you're walking through at the time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, to this day, I would consider Blue Islands to be somewhat of of a threat in certain circumstances. Like right. if I was in Austin alone at night, uh, sorry, alone at night, drunk, I would not walk alone to the hotel. Right. Would, right there's right. no way I would do that. No, Even totally. in that, there's just no way I would do that. But yeah. to your point, but then the creative ones, and please push back if, you, if, if that is a trigger, but the creative one will always be the creative ones. 
Oh yeah. But sometimes I feel like what we're creating now is being asked to be toned down or in some ways, maybe we're censoring ourselves a little bit more where we didn't do that before. Like it's strange sometimes to walk through West Hollywood before the pandemic and you hear like on a Monday or Tuesday night, the bars are all playing top 40 music and sports are on the screens and all this kind of stuff. And like, once again, there's nothing Prize wrong with- belonging. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It gets, it's, it's a little too mainstream for me. I like the over the topness. I like the craziness. I like our, our community pushing the boundaries, pushing the edges, you know what I mean? I, I do. So to, 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 to actually completely, uh, the small information that I can give you, that's exactly my, my assertion. You're the creative type. No matter what bias or status quo society throws at you, you right. will challenge it for the virtue of being a bias or a status quo. You'll be like, right. and so that is where we found our kinship. Actually, your husband is not that dissimilar to you in that sense. <laughs> no, uh, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, but the reality is presenting any kind of set of rules onto any one of us three, and we would say, no, that doesn't work for me. No. No. So they can play top 40, which by the way, I'm a complete geek for top 40 music. <laughs> I need my screaming divas at 2 a.m. I do too, but I just need I just need the remixed versions. I don't want to hear what you can hear on the radio. I want a version that you can't buy anywhere. Don't take too far of a step there. I mean, don't go outside of your comfort zone. Of course, I need yeah. the remix version. I need to stay. I need to dance to it. Yeah, if a drag queen's not setting herself on fire at 1 a.m., it's not a party. You know what I mean? It's not. I'm safely, of course. I mean, you have to have safety precautions in place. Oh my God, I love the fact that there's a safety caveat to your firing drag queen. You're a creative and you're a creator and, and to, to dovetail into something completely different, but yet related, what it is you want to get out of COVID. If, if you had free reigns, and I always have this exercise with myself, with unlimited resources being unlimited time, money, or people, or all of the above, or any combination, what would you do? with your creation? What would you do with, with life now? Well, I think what we were talking about earlier, you know, me having these two projects that I wasn't able to put out there back in March, I need to put them out there now. Um, I, I get this feeling that once we're past the pandemic and things are opening and, and, you know, you go to shows and do what we've always done, I'll be a little annoyed with myself that I didn't try it to see where they go, especially because the cost of doing it now is so much cheaper um, mm -hmm. than it would be. Um, audiences, I think, are excited to see people broadcasting from their homes, kind of like, where do you live and what's on your bookshelf or whatever in the background Absolutely. kind of vibe. It's the insight uh, into somebody else's life yes. on top of the creative side, which yes. is, uh, yes. for me to, to watch Seth Meyers or, or Stephen Colbert or any one of them, or, or John Oliver, which are all yeah. things I consume aggressively, and to see them in their own state of home, is actually, yeah, especially without especially without stylists and makeup artists i'm it's, like it's, wow <laughs> i did not pay attention to that and I, if this channel ever takes off i'll take you up on that i need one <laughs> i need several this will need a lot of work in about a year i <laughs> know oh, we look we look great because nobody has anything else to compare it to so we're fine right now it's it's when you have all the magic of tv and all of that stuff and people two hours in makeup getting you ready and then you don't have that anymore 
but anyway, I'm just go ahead. I think people, sorry, I think people are more forgiving now if there's a technical glitch, you know what I mean? If something doesn't work out right now. So the two things that I've had on the table for a while, I really, because like I said, I've worked them out on paper already. Um, I just need to put them out there and see what happens. That's all. And if, if I am to push you in any way or nudge you in any way or put a thumb on any weight, I would say uh, from, from this experience, from this specific experience right now, my last couple of weeks were so invigorating regardless of the audience because I inherently, much like you, I'm a creator and I have no problem admitting that in terms of a tag. But to be unshackled from the idea of where this will go is 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 exhilarating to say the very very least um, yes so put it out there yeah uh, and i think your I've content forgotten. will find an audience and I, yeah and i think i have forgotten especially from living so many years in vegas and producing and being part of so many different type of huge shows i think i've forgotten what it's like just to put something out there and just see what happens with it do you know what I mean? Take, yeah, take take you from the rawness of, of even my first video to 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 where we are now, uh, which is which is still I have I'm fully aware there'll be light years ahead and I need probably an editor down the road because I can't edit ten hours a week. I, I just I, I don't have that kind of time. Uh, but but besides that point, knowing that it exists out there, knowing that there is I call, we call it evergreen articles. In, in my profession that you have something to point to. And so this is where we started and right. there's an evolution from there to your point. Yes, there is something compelling in raw, uh, almost flawed, not flawed, almost flawed yeah. production because that is so much closer to the human experience and both exist. And if I connect it to our trick conversation, drive through Mickey D's, there's place for both. You know, there's a place yes. for this, for this hot dog stand outside of a bar at 2 a.m. that satisfies me immediately and pretty raw. <laughs> <laughs> all puns and all puns intended. <laughs> all puns intended. We'll let the audience glean from that with <laughs> <laughs> And there's the other side, which is, you know, the 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 nitrex and the unfolding of the little tiny dish on a huge plate and and stone from that sea and salt from that sea. And yeah. There is, there, is, there is something in the in-between, and I would say even closer to the hot dog stand, because YouTube, if anything, is doing that. It's showing yes. so many creators that it's okay. This polish that comes over time, and it will, and in some way, by the way, it's a desouling, or at least a decoupling of the soul from any creative project, if you think about yes. it. Because yes. if you do anything for 50 takes, no matter what it is, with all due respect, it's going to be a little soul less than... <laughs> <laughs> something you just did in one off <laughs> it'll and be also perfect too, yeah and also because entertainment tends to be so like you said there, there's 30 takes of something music and stuff tends to be so sometimes overproduced um we forget about artists bands and stuff that started out and their first album was good but there was a lot of mistakes you could hear second album got tighter the third album is where they found their sound that kind of stuff you know sitcoms that were cute the first couple episodes you saw something was there but it, it would still but if you stuck with it it all of a sudden blows up and becomes this polished thing but that's not where it starts you know what i mean and 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 if you want to put it in a temporal sense it's like this idea of, of sowing a seed 
and see the growth. Of course, you'll benefit from the shade of the canopy down the road, but there's something very beautiful at seeing this, this budding of any creative anything. And there's a lot of mistakes in that. Yes. So I just have to make myself do it. I can feel it in my gut that I need to do it. Um, and I, a lot of times for me, I'll ask myself one question. If I don't do this particular thing, will I regret that down the line? And I feel like if I don't pursue these ideas to see where they go, I'll look back on it and say, you know what? You should have tried that. that, that that's take, a missed opportunity. Take this as an evergreen article to what you're about to hear, because I'll point to this. Um, everything about your tonation and everything about your, your expression of this says, I must let it see air. I must let it see an audience. Everything about the way you're describing this. And, and, and if, they, if I would resonate with anything from my reality is the sense that I wanted to put this content out, even though it was initially just a manifesto slash book about our experience as gay men, it's now taking its life of its own when it comes to the people I talk much like yourself. Uh, it wasn't a choice. Right. I hear in your voice that it wasn't a choice and it isn't a choice. So my humble push and nudge would be don't wait. Uh, you're, you're, it seems like your creative juices, again, glean whatever you want from this, uh, uh, are, are, are seeking a release. Yes, yes. And for, I think you understand this too, for people that create anything, I don't care if you build cars, I don't care if, if it's, you're in the science industry, the software industry, it doesn't entertainment. If your passion is creating and you're in a place where you're not able to do that, you do start to feel like, deflated just, and static yeah. and, and i think deflated is a really good word you start to feel deflated and that's a lot of what i've noticed in the entertainment industry especially the live entertainment industry um you know i still have a lot of friends in vegas and a lot of friends in new york um that all work in the live industry which has been pretty much shut down broadway's not even decimated let's just open again until january if that um and I've talked to other dancers and friends, like I said, who, you know, my one friend, Jennifer has, she turned her garage into a studio a long time ago. She's like, I get up in the morning and I go out there and she's like, I kind of think, why bother? You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, I need to say, keep myself toned and ready so that when I can go back to work, I'm not out of shape and, and I've lost flexibility. And you know what I mean? I don't have my stamina anymore because I don't think people realize, you know, at one point in Vegas, I did 12 shows a week. Uh, you do two shows a night and you're off on Sundays. The easiest schedule I ever had was the cruise ship. We only did two shows a week. That was probably the hardest gig I've had in my life because there was so much downtime. By the time you get to do the show, you're forcing yourself to get your energy up. And then when that show ends, you could do 10 more shows because you're there. And then there's a day break. And then we did the second show. So the energy was still kind of there. But then it's another five days or so before you perform again. And by then that energy drops down again. And it's like, but when you're doing it every night, even if it's just one show a night, six nights a week, that keeps your energy up and you're, you're, you're in that zone. You're in that, you're in the ring, you're ready to go and the whole bit. But when you're not in that, people don't realize how quickly flexibility goes away and your stamina and energy level drops down. I work from my bedroom. I mean, we're, <laughs> not to make it too much of a tangent and, and not like this is sexy time. COVID is the opposite of sexy time. Who wants to spend 24 seven with their partners? I mean, if you, <laughs> if anything. 
It's like all of us. Yes, please, Ron, go away. Yes, please, Kevin, go away. Yes, please, Bob, go away. But 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 even within our our whenever we do get to be together, and I have no problem to take that nose dive. Um, we don't have any stamina, and and it's funny because right. you take your, you know, you, we have the gay calendar, the gay high holidays, anywhere from, uh, I would say, gay pride all the way for us in San Francisco Folsom. That's kind of what what bookends the summer, and you build your body uh, uh, kind of in the winter for that, and you build your stamina for that, and everything reflects that. Be it your <laughs> sex life, your 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 visibility, your look, like everything reflects that. And I'm used to this rhythm, and I was used to this rhythm of. You let everything fall apart around October to January. Yeah. Everything and anything. You just enjoy it. You keep, of course, maintenance because, you know, maintenance, <laughs> maintenance. but but you kind of let go and then you kind of build it up from January all the way up to, to June. And then you're on it from June to pretty much October. And suddenly when that was wrestled from us by this thing called COVID, there were a lot of reckoning. By the way, A, my stamina is gone. B, even if I wanted flexibility or otherwise, I, I, I can barely see my own junk when I pee. <laughs> so, <laughs> Could you just put that on a t-shirt for me? Because that would be brilliant. Just put that Wait, on when this channel gets merchandised? <laughs> Winter is when I can barely see my junk belt on belly. When I'm peeing. I think, <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Now, I didn't really pay attention this year just because of everything going on. Did Folsom do anything virtually? Did they, they put anything They did, out? but we didn't participate because the reality of we went through, I think, two or one online events that were supposed to mimic the, the dance floor. And A, I'm anxiety-ridden to begin with. Uh, it, it really landed itself to the negatives of COVID, not the positives. Right. Like, things like our cocktail hour, that's a positive. I felt the right. sense of camaraderie, we connected. And I think on intimate levels, people have found a way to kind of reassess and, and, and restructure in some way reinforce their actual tribe versus right. their perceived tribe. Uh, yeah. And I would put it in the category of chosen family, chosen friends, but that's a whole side topic. So when we went to those parties, there was a sense of much like your artist friends, deflation. And if right. I would find my energy on a dance floor and we've been on the dance floor together, that is my home. Yeah. And, and in many ways, it's, it's a different home than let's say an early stage startup, which I would find the same level of, of spunk and, and evangelizing and energy. But I, the dance floor is very much the same in terms of it derives. It's, it's, a, it's a positive feedback loop for a positive end. And it's a release. It's a great energy release. If you've worked all week or you've planned for, like you said, you know, this event that you go to every whatever right. August on this Saturday and, and, and you prepare for that. It's a crescendo. It's a yes. crescendo. Yes. It's, a, it's a crescendo. Yes. You get to that, that, that epic catharsis from being there. And, and I agree. It's, it's a wonderful analogy because there is a buildup. You know, I know how to work my body to be both for myself and for others, by the way, it's 95% for myself. Yeah. I, I want to look good for myself. I want to be fit for myself. The rest are just cherries on cakes or, or frostings. Right. The, the core is, is for myself. And by the way, it's a very, very fun conversation to have in terms of us as gay men, because I think a lot of our Peter Pan complex comes from wanting that to be for others. It's, it's for that adulation for others. It's for like building that summer body. And I think there's a lot of health in saying, no, it's not. No, I think it's very healthy because I, if I don't, 
if I don't feel good about myself, then I don't feel good with my partner. Do you know what I mean? If I'm not happy with just the way I look or I don't feel healthy or something like that, you can't feel sexy for the person that you're with no. either. Do you know what no. I'm saying? And the people that only, and we know who those people are, those people that only try to look good for everyone else, those are the people when you're out and you see them, they're not happy. Still. No. And, they, and worked, it translates. they worked on all of this and it physically none of, none looks great. Yeah, yeah. But then you see them standing around sometimes in the club and they look so miserable because they didn't do it for themselves. And that's not selfish. You have to, if you can't take care of yourself, you're not able to take care of anybody else around you. So, so when it comes to the people and it comes to the building the body, I, I, it's funny. No, it's not funny at all. Actually, it's pretty miserable. When people work on their body too much without, and I call it ex external versus internal signifiers of happiness. So when you put your external signifiers of happiness as, as if, if that signal needs to come from the outside, you're already effed. You already, you already lost the game because there is, there, is, there is a sense that you need constantly something from someone. And, and I'm guilty of this for many other things in other versions of my life. I somehow skate by when it comes to not needing it from my gay world. Uh, right. but, but any other form of my life, I can very, very, very bluntly say my vocational path, I, I, I need this so much and I need to work on not needing this. And in right. many ways, Little Gay Guide is that exercise because right. I, don't need any, I don't need anybody else. It's just me expressing myself. It would, <laughs> like, good luck stopping me from doing that. Yeah, we're totally. <laughs> well, then I have my, my career, my profession, which is, you know, in the dance world, you are completely looked at on how you look how you physically, as soon as you walk into an audition, you are immediately sized up and are you the right height? I mean, I've been to auditions where they do your height right at the door as you walk in. And if you're not the right height, you walk, they just tell you to go. They don't even waste your time. You know what I mean? Would you waste time on a trick that looks perfect, but something is <laughs> off? Something is off. <laughs> That's the next t-shirt. <laughs> oh my God, that's fucking funny. But, um, but I have to be honest because let's have the conversation. So I, I think COVID in many ways have demolished certain walls and certain boundaries in our lives. And some of us, especially you and I being the creative. So I, I don't like to put it in class and I hate, and I mean hate the American classification of needing labels. Like, right. oh, if I cannot put it in that square or if I cannot put it in that room or if I cannot fit it in those parameters, then it's not it. That is right. just absolute BS because, BS because abstract thoughts have a place. And right. my abstract thought when it comes to specifically my needing to create is never going to be stopped by COVID versus not. But COVID is an external pressure. All of our society has, has to experience it together. So the camaraderie is there on a global scale our global village had a moment of reckoning as a community, thank whatever powers may be. Right. But there on a personal level, I think a lot of us are now facing something very interesting and in very ways, in, in many ways, it's a call to action, which yes. is now that the walls have fallen off, now that we see Seth Meyers' bedroom or, or, or Gary Thomas's backdrop, or by the way, thank you for the masks. Those were <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, and, and, 
once we have this insight into another life, there is a sense of maybe we could put the persona game and the mask game down a notch or two and actually collaborate and create and do things that have taken less hiding. Uh, right. Can we come out to the light a little more? Can we be a little more uh, mindful about who we are? Can we right. edit a little less? Well, one of the, you had talked about, you know, the other day, putting down a couple questions yes. uh, to ask each other. So one of the questions I came up with since we're talking about COVID and pandemics is what have you learned about yourself during this? It's a good one. Um, it sounds like you learned that you need to put production out there just to, 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 because I want to summarize. Uh, yeah. the, the well, that, and I also learned, I also learned that I have to keep structure. Like my alarm has been set for 8.30 every morning, except Sundays, since this started. Even when Gio and I get wasted the night before, I still make myself get up because I just know internally, if I let it become a habit, 10 a.m. would be sleeping until noon, noon would become two, I would, wow. wouldn't shower that day. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like structure is the other thing that I learned about myself. But what have you learned about yourself? I always worked from home, so COVID didn't change significant things when it comes to my schedule. Uh, I would say like 60, 70, even 80% depends on the project was behind these same screens. Uh, so my schedule didn't change what, but what I can say about myself in terms of the knowledge is because of what I just said when it comes to the world as a whole and the external pressures of COVID and this sense of we can be more of ourselves, And if you actually combine the zeitgeist of Black Lives Matter with the realization that we have pretty big cardinal sins to kind of come to terms with and in many ways resolve. We, we are not divorced anymore from, from resolving those. Right. Uh, and, and I'm talking about society on purpose before I talk about myself, because now I have no excuse to rise up to the same occasion. Right. So I'm taking the same, if anything, COVID pulled the trigger on anything. I set on Little Gay Guide a good decade, uh, uh, a good decade. All of those domains, almost bar none, were purchased a, a decade ago. Wow. Uh, all of them. Um, and, and the book itself, I've been working on for about five years and it's 170 some pages in, but it became this massive topic list of everything and anything just through my perspective, which is a limited, almost you know, straight passing white gay dude and we're the raciest of them all. We're the, like, we don't have enough perspective to really offer our own. And, and, and COVID actually pushed back on that to, for my own life. And like, no, you do have something to say. There is, there, is, there, is, there is absolutely something you have to share and you have no other excuses anymore. Much right. like your play ask you, put me out there to light in front of an audience. My, my inner this, whatever this is, basically said, no, 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 no. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is over. There is no more waiting. There is no, and, and, and much like in a previous interview that I just posted with a friend, dear one, um, I have no choice anymore. This is, this, is, this is the first time in my life I'm not afraid of the period at the end of this sentence. This is the first time in my life that there, I, know, I don't feel any negative or even drain. And I always get exhilarated at the beginnings of everything. And I always dread the endings of anything. This is the first time I literally just don't care. I, I mean, for Americans, I should say I don't mind because that's the more right 
emotional tone to it, but I, I really don't care. Where yeah. this goes, I don't care. I, I will find its audience. It needed to be out. I struggle, and I don't mind saying it, uh, with my pace of editing because I have so much more to do. Uh, so I shamelessly will probably get to the point of finding somebody to help me with the editing part. <laughs> but, but because I, I literally see the hockey curve, much like I look at startups and entrepreneurship, you know, this hockey curve of scale, you got your product out there, the market is seeing it, there's some traction and repetition and purchasing, whatever it is, service, right. you see it in production, it's the same. Right. You're being right. renewed, yeah. you're being renewed consistently and suddenly it's double and suddenly you're another, you need a traveling crew and suddenly you need, there's something in that moment that I feel it's happening internally, but I am a factor of one. I can never be growth. There are only 24 <laughs> hours of my day. Uh, so does that answer your question in terms of COVID? Yeah, and I think the fact that you, I think saying you don't care is a perfect statement because what it does is it, it releases your attachments to any of it. <clears throat> and usually something grows and expands when you don't, when you're not grasping at it in this needy way that's desperate and it has to, you know what I mean? That's when it's you kind of- by, by the way, it's the same back to the trick. You will yes. not have a trick that's desperate. No matter how they look, unless yeah. you're too inebriated, in which case yeah. this is this is a Mickey D's run through. <laughs> <laughs> but even relationships don't make it if it's just if the energy is just needy and grabbing and, and dark all the time. You know, G Giovanni and I have always uh, said, you know, we want each other. We don't need each other. There's a difference. We don't want to be with. It would suck if something happened and it, it was over or if something happened to one of us, but we've never needed each other. I can live alone. I can be single. I can go out in the world. He can do the same thing. It's we want to be with each other. We don't need to be with each other. And those are two different energies. And I don't Absolutely. think a lot of people get that. Those are two completely different energies right there. I, okay, I will pose a question because it definitely triggered something. And I'm extraordinarily needy in the beginning of a relationship because I never believe anybody is there to stay. As I said, <laughs> I, I just don't. But it's in the same breath. I've always been, the person, the people I've fell in love with are people that are, have, been, have become partners, uh, period. Uh, that I, I, I've been in a relationship since I was 17 and that's pretty much my trajectory since. Uh, I have not stopped. <laughs> so uh, it speaks to my neediness more than it speaks to my to my to my sustainability. But but you do learn, and I want to touch a little bit about the neediness part. It's actually one of my benchmarks. My if you survive my neediness in the beginning of a relationship, you are well equipped to deal with me for the long haul. <laughs> so many puns intended, huh? that and so many therapists would love to talk to you right now. <laughs> I think that I think that that neediness sometimes in our community is there because it can be challenging to meet people and to get something going and there's always somebody else over you know so you know I can but look over your shoulder and see 20 other isn't. guys. <laughs> if we if we and if we commodify and we should commodify the tricking element because it is that accessible. It is that easy. And if something is that accessible and that easy, then there is a, 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 the other pushback would be because it's zero in terms of cost, then the things that shine or spark or, or are bright shine that much more. 
if you sift through garbage, you will see a diamond. (laughs) Sorry. In other words, you have to go through the shit first. (laughs) You will never get something worth worth the prize if you don't. Never. I don't think there is any endeavor in life that's 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 anything less than wade your ass through shit first. Right. Even relationship, even the best of marriages, even the best of couplings, even the best of of any combination of any uh, person's business, anything, it doesn't matter. You're going to have to wait through shit for that to be successful. And and, and I think there is a a reluctance to admit it because the fake it till you make it crowd in in the United States specifically, and myself included, uh, this idea of present everything is perfect. I'm like, no. The imperfections are, are what make it perfect. You don't want 100% of anyone. Well, and I don't think perfection exists anyway. I think it's like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. You might, I might look at a painting and say, oh my God, that's the most perfect painting. You can go, it's cute. It's not my favorite. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's there's someone for see. everyone. Yeah. And there's somebody that's perfect for you. And when I say yes. perfect for you or myself, for that matter, what I mean by that is it's perfect for you where are you are in time. And right. whatever that trajectory for that relationship, be it the moment, be it that hot dog stand outside of the bar, or be it lifelong, it doesn't change the fact that you will evolve with that relationship and imperfections are what's going to drive the conversation, not right. the perfection. That's why they're perfect for you because they yes. can have that conversation. Yes. And we're also um, kind of conditioned to believe that when two people or even three people part, that it was a failure. Mm. And that's not the case people people can be together 20 years and they decide to split up and other people will go oh my god their relationship failed maybe it didn't maybe just whatever business they had with each other whatever connection they had that's gone and it's time for them to move on to something else but we're not we're not taught that at all i mean straight people aren't taught it gay people really are so yeah straight people yeah yeah. Oh, I, think it's a people, I think it's a people problem. And, and, yeah. and to actually dive into that pain a bit, everything ends. Everything has an expiration date. Everything an expiration moment or second. Everything. Even if you love your partner and you don't want anybody else, and I'm in a monogamous relationship now, and it doesn't change the, the reality of everything will morph. And even if we are to grow together and never touch another human being sexually ever, it doesn't change the fact that one of us will die first, then one of us will die second, then one of us will die third. It doesn't change that fact. And if we couple it down to something very, very, very immediate in current experiences, that's true for your business relationship. That's true for your conversation you're having with any person at any moment. That's true for something you're creating. Uh, yes. They all die. Yes. The death is the expectation. Everything <laughs> else is an assumption. Yes, yes. <laughs> Like friends should have ended on season eight, not season 10, that kind of thing. I really liked season 10. I really liked season 10. Those the, the fighting words. At this point, oh. none of them, at this point, none of them even went to work anymore. They just walked back and forth to their apartments. <laughs> I'm not gonna even touch the fact that I'm kidding. I, 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 no, I no, no, but, but, but back I to your loft in New York. You yeah. want theirs? The theirs is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I would like a and, soundstage for a square home. Yeah, and it's probably on market right now because of everything going on. So. It is a commercial real estate. Dive in, hey. dive in. Thank you. Thank dive you. Dive in. Thank um, you. 
I so yes, COVID forced not forced my hand because it's not an external decision. I'm actually um I I typed I try to take accountability and 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 own the fact that that it was inwards uh outwards. So right. it was it was outward facing, but it came from inside. Right. Uh and and I don't think there were a lot of circumstances. It would have happened regardless, right. but COVID completely accelerated, much like with other processes we're seeing around us, telecommuting, telework, and so on. Because it takes away the excuses of, I'm too busy, I don't have the time, I have to be here now, I've got that tomorrow, we're going out tonight, we have to meet friends tomorrow, family's coming in, we're going away next weekend. All of that shit goes away because you're not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> no, no, you basically just summed up the the and and in that cocoon, in that pressure, you you have a choice. And 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 unfortunately to your friends and to you, there is a much broader dialogue when it comes to entertainment. But I can say, speak for myself when I say the following: there is also an insatiable appetite now for new content. Yes. We dove into Mulan as mundane and, and bland as it was. It was a very expensive screensaver. And, but we <laughs> paid an extraordinarily expensive screensaver. And he took the one thing, the one thing that was the power message from the initial movie, which is a woman can get to the same glass ceiling as a man, right. hard work, and she did, and made her a super Jedi? Whatever. It, they super duper. Yeah, they made her. They made her powerful, and her power was taking her headband off. That was it. That was the moment of reckoning with becoming a woman. She took the headband off. I'm like, oh dear lord, you didn't just do that. But anyway, even then, it was new content. Did she I'm go so like crazy. this? She, she did like in slow motion. Oh no, see, no, 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 no. In slow motion, but she had Jedi powers from the beginning, but women were not supposed to have Jedi powers from the beginning. And her big coming out was, I released my powers even though I'm a woman. And we're all like, you realize you're superhuman and you basically just said, I'm a woman. All of us will be like, so? There's a whole plot point in the original story about you being an amazingly good soldier. Why did you take it out by having, giving her superpowers? We, uh, we didn't see it, but we, I read a couple reviews about it and they pretty much summed it up exactly like you did, that it, it was kind of one dimensional and bland. It took the soul she, out. Yeah. And it just, it, it, yeah, it just didn't, there was no music. There was no, it just had no. I don't vibe. mind the music. There was actually an epic moment of, uh, you know, we'll make a man out of you. They put it in as, a, as an instrumental in the background. It was brilliant. Right. They did a, they did a really good job as you can imagine, Disney being the behemoth that is no offense to your prior profession there. Uh, uh, none. <laughs> Uh, I, I respect the level of polish they put to their formula, formulas down. They put and they have at least they have at least thirty more versions of Lion King they're going to release. At the least, at the least. <laughs> isn't it the thirtieth version right now on Broadway? Just to be perfectly clear, in terms of the editing and re-editing, aren't we on version fifteen? If we're being frank, <laughs> with all. Your respect, and I'm saying it in the most southern of terms, I have little. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do have respect to things that are successful because yeah. success is success. Um, and, and I do respect things that are consumable on, on such a large scale and the Lion King being one of them, especially the stage production. Um, we loved the remake. It's not Jungle Book. You know, Thoreau did an amazing job when it comes to Jungle Book because it was right. just 
brilliant. By the way, it did the same amazing job with the Mandalorian. It brought okay. the soul back to, to Star Wars, which is such a monumental task and such a, it's not an easy conundrum to solve because you have the inner geek and their idolization of something that is their childhood nostalgia. Right. Simplicity, you know, black versus red, white versus, it's all that super simplistic, horrible storytelling that I find, <laughs> call it sci-fi is kind of like calling the giving tree uh, 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 a philosophy book. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it touches on one lesson, congratulations, <laughs> but we passed the first grade. Can we dive deeper? Can we go a little below the surface? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To, to go, and, and by the way, I'm sure I'm incurring the wrath of, of, of sci-fi geeks out there. For the That's record, okay. I'm a sci-fi yeah. geek myself. I yeah. love Star Wars because it's simplistic. Joseph Campbell's The, the Hero's Journey is a brilliant retelling of just that. You know, it's right. the sage, it's the it's the gatekeeper, it's the it's all this this wonderful archetype, and he does it really, really well. But back to Mulan and Disney, just because you perfected the formula doesn't mean that you have a soul and we're seeing this with disney as a whole now because they got this right. epic crescendo worth of 21 movies and the avengers and now we're all of us feeling collectively i'm, I'm speaking for myself that there is this this deflating and and oh no what can you do now right you've built up to this moment what can you do now well i think it's like i think with those types of things they build up so big and then you really purposely you have to scale it all back and start and get a little bit more simplistic again and then slowly build up to something else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just they, have, they have to go wrong. They have to go yeah, right again. They have I to kind go of relate, to, to your play. Yeah, I kind of relate it to like, you know, pop stars or whatever. They'll go crazy, crazy, big, 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 big after a couple albums though. They'll let it, a lot of times they'll go very simple out of nowhere and scale it all back, the production, the costumes, everything. Because there has to be a, a beginning point again. It just can't be over the top, over the top, over the top. It's got to come the down. The triple A ones are always going to be over the top. Like I can't see Hamilton losing st Hamilton uh, losing steam anytime soon. I can't no, see no, no, that no, because no, no, no. because it's one of those because there is a sense of a triple A production value. Right. will never can't, really. But, right, but he can't keep recreating Hamilton under a different name over and over. No, and over, you know, whatever you know what I mean? whatever Miranda does next will have will probably be what you exactly just described. It will probably be a very scaled down intimate thing. There is, because of his m massive, unexplained exposure, which by the way, In the Heights, I think already kind of talked to that, but but right. like you saw it in the Heights, so he's got something there. Yeah. But but now that he got that big, he probably will scale. I'm assuming right. he will scale back. Yes, but going back to something you were talking about a few minutes ago, which is with COVID and, and people being at home, I do think people are starved for new content. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Unabashedly yeah. so. One of the things that actually drove me, if my, because I, you do your own PLs all the time. What's my profit? What's my loss? And, and Americans, uh, US Americans, do it with dollar signs most of the time. But, but personally, you have, you have an expat as a husband. I have an expat as a boyfriend. I'm an expat myself. Uh, but, but we look at things a little differently. There's a more holistic approach to what is the actual gain? What is the actual loss? What is the what? What are the actual resources used? And and I will scream, and I mean scream. One of the two favorite things we've had during COVID was uh, Drunk Broadway from one of our drag shows in the city, from San Francisco, from uh, Oasis. I don't mind plugging them at all. It was just wonderful. It was just this this 
very private performances. Some were produced than others. Some were very raw, but they were all their performances. And in two out of the three, we were just blown away because it pushed the envelope of, of you're alone. Here's the camera run. Yeah. There's something. They did something. There was, there's a a show here uh, called uh, dragged out. Um, But then they retooled it virtually and called it dragged in and they do it every few weeks. But like you said, you have these people now performing from their apartments um, with a camera and some of them literally have, created these like live music videos from the kitchen to the living room to the bedroom with a disco ball and like stuff but but it's creative and it's out of the box and it's taking what you have around you and turning it into something you know now I mean? take that with all those ingredients put it in a stew and put it in front of an external audience regardless of covid so post covid you get all these people and there's, there's a lot of us content creators uh, that are now literally facing this reality of, oh, I could have done X. Yeah. And now I have done X. Yeah. <laughs> now putting them in front of an audience and I think there'll be a massive revival in indie everything. Yes. Everything, everything. And we will be ready for it even as an audience because we're starving for it. Oh, yeah. And, and, and by the way, segue, not to be dragging this out too long. <laughs> okay, that was just corny let's as drag fuck. It, let's drag it in. That was just in. corny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just want it for Kevin's eye roll, but he will never listen to any one of this, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Kevin hates puns. If, <laughs> like, 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 it's an aversion. I feel the eye roll, even if he's in the back seat and Fab and I are in the front seat, I will feel it hitting the back of my head. <laughs> All right, so where, where were you going with your bad pun? <laughs> Not to drag it out. Uh, uh, I, I can still go up to the hour, of course, but I'm curious, uh, uh, on a finishing note, on an ending note or, or question or anything, and I'll edit it and tighten this up, of course, but what do you want to end on? I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I think the whole planet is in flux right now. I think um, we can leave a lot of that. major major systems are breaking down right now, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I it's think not. people people don't feel they're being heard, and they want to be. Um, they're not heard. Yeah, I, and, and like I mean, they want to be heard. I think um, I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, right now, to me, the only I say. Take it all one day at a time. That's what you know we've been doing. Some days are better than others. Um, gosh, I wish I had something profound right now. But I that know. is profound because I <laughs> no, I there is no. It's funny because not funny again. I really need to learn my own phrases, and it gets to that point that you hear yourself enough times, and you pick up on your own uh, colloquialism or your own. Yeah, but I don't think you should edit or correct yourself. I think you have a way of talking. And this is your vibe and your energy, and that's what you should put out. Do you know what I okay. mean? Yeah. It's like when you you kind of rephrased when you said, I don't care. That's the best way to say it. I don't care about this because it doesn't mean you hate it or you it's bad. It means you've taken away all attachments to it, and wherever it goes is wherever it goes. And that is from the same person who just said you cannot say something profound to end this on, really? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
good luck. Thank you, folks. I was setting him up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Girl. So don't Girl. edit yourself. Don't Girl. edit yourself. Yeah. I'm hearing there is a there are two terms that keep popping up by people that have done something very similar to this externally. And they keep saying you'll find your footing, you'll find your voice. And I find it extraordinarily corny, but I love it. I do like the top 40 pop and remixed. <laughs> So. It has to be remixed, though. <laughs> so I will edit. <laughs> uh, I, but there is a sense of liberation that comes from knowing that I will do it my way, that I am doing it my way. There is yes. a sense of liberation. Yes. And, and, and not to, to, to finish on any profound anything, I know we'll have another conversation down the road. And my curiosity will be, what did you do with this? Right. With this, with this? Because I, I feel your pressure and it resonates with my pressure prior to pulling the trigger on this channel. Right. It really does. I mean, I, I, I literally hear it in your voice. Right. I hear this. It's this interesting because the pressure is only with ourselves. It's not from anybody else. It's You are it's, not going to satisfy other people. You're not the no. person to do that. Mm -hmm. It's the pressures with ourselves. Are we doing what then we, what's holding feel you? we need to do? Are we putting out there what we feel we need to put out? Yeah. Then what's holding you back? <laughs> what are you afraid of? <laughs> nothing i've just gotten lazy about it and i need to get off my ass and do it <laughs> lazy is an excuse not a reason that's what i said <laughs> <laughs> so um geo wanted me to ask you one question oh go ahead yeah he wants to know how many pillows do you sit on so you can see over the desk and into the camera I'm actually turning red. There's, Sorry. There's, I had to do there is no right answer. There's no right answer. Three. I think three is a good number. We only have two. <laughs> um, Sorry. That was funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just for the audience, just because I will totally keep this <laughs> uh, 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 geo at my height, which is 5'10", which is the average human being. He just doesn't do average. <laughs> That's why we're together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, this, this was a joke, a joke for the gay, a joke for the gay man. My prior partner that had the explosive divorce with, and I think I shared that with you, he said, thank God you're not well endowed. And he said specifically, thank God you don't have a 10 incher because then you'll be insufferable and probably die. <laughs> now you're enough to deal with just as you are. Right I am, I'm already a problem. <laughs> you're already a problem, but a lovable one. So it works out great. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's too sweet. I love you too. <laughs> love you too. Uh, for all of the audience, just because we'll finish on that note, this is Little Gay Guide. You were Gary Ponce. I'm Ron Zakai. Thank you very much. Zoom in on the picture <laughs> and then fade to black. <laughs> <laughs>